right, good morning, apes. Hello, how's everybody doing today? Hope we're all having a fantastic Thursday here. You know what we're coming at you with. It is the Daily Peels live stream once again. Everybody's favorite live stream for everybody's favorite investment and finance newsletter here. Shout out to everybody joining us on the live. Love to see you guys loading in here. And of course, shout out to everybody later on listening on the podcast, listening on the YouTube channel. Thanks to those who leave likes and comments. Everybody else, you're basically dead to me. So unless you leave a like or a comment, you might as well hop off because otherwise you're not helping. So go ahead and uh, help us out. Help me keep my job here. We're all in this together, right? After all. All right. Now that that's out of the way, you guys, once again, you know what we're here with. We got daily kill number 657 here. We're talking everything markets yesterday. What's going to be moving markets for us here today? So we did get a big inflation report here this morning that seems to be spooking investors just a little bit. We'll be diving deep into that tomorrow. But before we step on all of our content, let's go ahead and talk about what's going on today. So it is, of course, 11.53 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on this beautiful Thursday, February 29th. It's leap day, everybody. February 29th, 2024. It's the first February 29th since 2020. That's always a fun reminder that we're in an election year whenever it's a leap day. We won't see this again until 2028. So enjoy it while it lasts, guys. Let's see it. All right, but let's go ahead and see what we're talking about today. So, of course, we had to go back in on the housing market. You know, we haven't ruined everybody's hopes and dreams about buying a house in a couple of days or a couple of weeks here. So we figured we might as well get back on that train because we need some good pessimism to spread. I mean, I all, I'm a big advocate for spreading hate and misinformation. And of course, this is one of my favorite things to do with the Daily Peel. All right, then going on down into some of the stock movements of the day. Beyond Meat really sold the show yesterday. I mean, we'll be talking about that. We'll definitely be giving you all of our very strong thoughts on Beyond Meat and some of the other movements that we saw yesterday too. Then, of course, finishing up with digital asset prices. We got Bitcoin ripping absolutely through the roof. We'll be talking about that later on as well. Stay tuned for all of our thoughts or expectations as we speculate wildly on the price action of Bitcoin and what could potentially happen next. Let's go ahead and take a look at the market snapshot for the day. So as you guys will notice, WSO Alpha Portfolio being another another day being an absolute chad, carrying the team on its back. We lost about two basis points yesterday, whereas the S&P 500 shed a pathetic, embarrassing 17 basis points. So we did outperform by 15 bips on the day yesterday. And now we're on the cusp of absolutely humiliating the managers of the S&P 500 without performing them once again. We're at 6.86%, whereas the S&P is at 6.89%. So we are still slightly underperforming on a year-to-date basis. Trust me, that is not going to last for very long because the S&P is pathetic. You know, performing it is one of the easiest things I've ever done in my life. I don't know why everybody doesn't just do this. Now, performing the NASDAQ, that's a bit of a different story. We are down compared to the NASDAQ by much more. There are 8% on the year, whereas once again, we're up about 6.86%. A lot of this, once again, is to do with our huge cash pile, which we actually did start to reallocate yesterday. So everybody signed up to the WSO Alpha subscriber list. Did get an email yesterday with our latest trade activity. A lot of movement going on. We got a lot of reallocation to do going forward. So make sure you're signed up if you want to stay tuned on all of that. We also have our Tesla report that's going to be coming out over this weekend. So everybody stay tuned for that as well. I know it's not in the month of February. Guys, what can I say? It's been a a big company. It took us a while to get that report done. So definitely stay tuned for that because I promise you, a lot of you are going to have a problem with our take. And as usual, we want all the smoke. Foxfly, what is up, my guy? I still haven't responded to your message on LinkedIn, but I promise I'll do that probably at some point today, maybe tomorrow. We'll see if I remember after this live stream. Then, of course, Dinesh BTC to 100K. Definitely getting bullish over there. And the price action lately would 100% support that thesis, but we'll talk about that much later on. So get ready to get those fingers ready to start hating on my opinions. All right, guys? But let's go over some banana bits of the day before we get into anything else. Salesforce, they did get a bit of a mixed reaction to their earnings report yesterday. 
gave lower guidance, but they did pretty solid for the quarter overall. There really is nothing you can do to make Mr. Market happy. So this still wasn't good enough. And then, of course, we have Mr. Freezy Face, Mitch McConnell himself. He's dipping out of his leadership position of the Senate because he's approximately a thousand years old. So it's about time for him to get the fuck out of that leadership position. Of course, he still is going to serve out the rest of his term through 2027. So it seems like either his term is going to end or his heart is going to stop beating. And that's the only way that we're going to get rid of this guy. Uh, but otherwise, get used to it because we're going to be sticking around with him. Shout out to everybody from Kentucky. Thanks for blessing us with this absolute monstrosity for another couple of years. All right, then we have foreign investors in the United States. Guys, they are pouring into U.S. equities. Nobody's buying treasury bonds. That's for absolute nerds and losers. However, all foreign investors into the United States are going balls deep into our equity markets. And understandably so. I mean, the U.S. has kind of been absolutely dominating the rest of the world for the past couple of decades. A lot of markets around the world as well are reaching near all-time highs. Like Japan is near an all-time high, or actually might have just surpassed an all-time high. Germany is close to an all-time high. The TAC, uh, the TAC is in France. Pretty much everything is doing pretty well, except the UK obviously is kind of bringing things down for the rest of the team. But still, despite that, foreign investors are pouring into US markets. Then, of course, US lawmakers, we did actually manage to avert a shutdown, or at least the first shutdown that was supposed to begin over this weekend. That was about for 20% of overall U.S. spending. So in case you guys don't remember, basically, the United States, obviously, our senators are worse than a kindergarten or a preschool is at agreeing on things, especially when it comes to spending and money and funding the entire government. So what they've done now is instead of just continuing to push the buck, they've decided to split the government into two portions, basically. So we had 20% of the government that was set to shut down over this weekend until this bill uh, basically just kicked the can down the road for a little bit longer. But we do have about 80% of total government spending that's about to hit a shutdown in about mid-March. I think it's early to mid-March. I forget the exact date on that. But go ahead and click that link. It'll probably tell you because I forgot already. And then finally, this was an interesting story from Indeed. I didn't know that Indeed did reports like this. I'm pretty sure. I thought it was just a website for kind of job posting. But they came out with this study that said that less and less jobs or fewer and fewer jobs are requiring a college education. By me saying less and less right there, you can tell that I don't have one. But Fewer and fewer jobs are requiring a college degree. Very interesting trend to see because we're seeing more and more percentage of the population go and get college degrees, while at the same time, less and less white-collar jobs are actually requiring them. Uh, it was a little bit over 20, 22% of job postings that required a college degree a couple of years ago. Now it's down into the teens, about 17 to 18%, showing how useless all of our degrees really are. So I hope you guys are happy that you spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on absolutely nothing. I know I have. It definitely doesn't keep me up at night thinking about it. Don't get me wrong. But all right, let's go ahead and move into the main stories of the day here. So, of course, Macro Monkey says this one is going to be the wrong kind of all-time highs. We got a lot of all-time highs to talk about uh, in the markets today and especially in our newsletter. We're kicking things off with the bad news. So the wrong kind of all-time highs, of course, we're talking about the worst case Schiller scenario. I was so absolutely proud of this pun right here. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, that's the kind of creative genius that you come to the Daily Peel for. So obviously, shout out to that. But basically, what we're seeing here is home prices, at least by the 20 city index of the Case Shiller, uh, of the Case Shiller, you know, home price tracker has reached an all time high here. Now, this is only 20 cities in the United States. It's a composite of the 20 largest cities. But if we go ahead and look at the metropolitan areas of the 20 largest cities, that's over 35% of the U.S. population. And it's definitely most of you guys out here, especially anybody that's subscribed to a finance and investing newsletter. The vast majority of you probably do live within those top 20 or at least top 30 cities or so. Shout out to anybody in rural areas. You guys are absolutely my favorites out of there. But either way, 
it was some tough news. So we're seeing home prices continue to accelerate in the month of December. I know December feels as far ago as probably the Civil War at this point, but still, that's the data that we just got from S&P Kate Schiller. They said that this index is reaching all-time high. Basically, what we're seeing at the same time here is that housing affordability is not back to an all-time high, meaning that houses are the least affordable that they've ever been. We're not back to an all-time high just yet, but we certainly are moving back up in that direction. So we started to see wages outpace uh, inflation and outpace home price increases in percentage terms throughout 2023. So that affordability index did start to decline a little bit. But since October and since the Fed kind of signaled last fall that interest rates have most likely hit their peak, we've started to see a reacceleration here. This is pretty much the complete opposite of what you would typically see in an economics textbook. Most of the time when rates go up, home prices will go down. And when rates stabilize or go down, home prices will uh, start to go back up. And it's kind of backwards to what we've been seeing. So as rates were ripping in 2023, we did see a very slight decline for a short time period, likely due to that rate increase. But even with those rate increases, demand did not subside whatsoever because everybody and their mother is looking to move out of their mother's house. Uh, and so obviously the demand side of things is absolutely bursting through the seams, whereas supply on the other hand is way too low, ostensibly low here. So as we can see this again, this is the really scary part, guys. If we go ahead and zoom in on the far right part of this chart, we can see that pretty much everything from permits to housing starts to housing completions of new residential construction did dip at least in the latter half of 2023 and to kickstart 2024. So it's not like we're seeing home builders do their part in increasing the supply, bringing down overall home prices, bringing down that affordability back to somewhere that's somewhat reasonable. So young people, once again, we're all getting fucked. Young people in this economy in the United States is really not a whole lot to be excited about at this point. Home prices are incredibly unaffordable. You know, we're paying into a social security system that we're never going to see the benefits of. College tuitions are absolutely through the roof. I mean, it really, it, there's not a whole lot of good things besides, you know, being young and able to move without breaking your hip or, you know, tearing an ACL or something like that. That's pretty much the only benefit right now. But I hope you guys are fi fine with funding your grandparents' retirement because it's definitely going to take away from some of the funding for yours. So on that very happy note, you know, it's a great, uh, great thing to talk about on this leap day here. We love to kill the vibe, you know, as soon as possible. And I hope we did ruin your day already. But in case we didn't enough, let's go ahead and move on into some of the stock movers of the day. First and foremost, we have Beyond Meat. I didn't realize that this company was able to make its share price go up, especially after activity over the past couple of years, but they did manage to turn things around yesterday. Shares boomed about 30.7% after a relatively solid earnings report. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was still absolute garbage. If somebody like Oswald the Motor and Ben Graham or some person with an actual brain was to look at this company, they would say that it looks like a piece of shit but it's less shitty than it used to be. And so with those margins expected to improve, uh, essentially, you know, obviously traders, analysts were getting a little bit more excited. I do have a very bold strategy for Beyond Meat if they do want to kind of turn things around and actually increase sales, increase their earnings and start to become profitable. And that, you know, I know this is going to be controversial here, but maybe if they made food that actually tasted good, then things would be turning around for the company more often. Shares are still down about 95% from its peak, probably because everything that they make tastes like absolute plastic. But anyway, thought it would be a controversial idea. Just wanted to see what you guys think. All right, moving on down into eBay. This is another company that I thought had gone bankrupt, you know, a decade ago, but apparently they didn't. They were up almost 8% on the day yesterday. They saw some strong net income growth by about $50 million. Well, revenue grew by about the same. So they were able to keep costs relatively stabilized throughout 2023. Also announced a $2 billion buyback plan and guidance surprise to the upside. Obviously getting everybody fired up. 
Nice fun side note for you guys to learn more about the uh, the Google email sending rules. If we bold a dollar sign, that's basically going to destroy deliverability. So you'll never see one of these things bolded in the daily appeal. If you're ever wondering why, that's exactly why. All right, but let's go ahead and move into what's rotten. Always their favorite section to talk about. Guys, listen, apes, this is a requirement for all of you here. I'm giving everybody some homework for today, tomorrow, and the rest of the entire year. We got to drink more alcohol, all right? It's hurting the economy, and it's especially hurting shares with Boston Beer Company. So this company, it's actually a Boston-based beer company. Uh, I know the name doesn't really suggest that, but believe it or not, that's what they do. And they had a really tough time in the last quarter of last year. You know, a lot of the time when times are getting tough for these companies, executives will kind of bend down the hatches. They'll say, you know, we got to put our pedal to the metal. We really got to start working. That's not what CEO of Boston Beer Company, Dave Burke, did. He said, fuck this shit. I'm getting the hell out of here. I've been the CEO for five years. I don't need this bullshit anymore. And honestly, I don't blame him at all because the company did absolutely humiliate themselves reporting a loss of a buck 49 per share, which was ridiculously higher than what was expected at a loss of 22 cents per share. I mean, to even be expecting a company like Boston Beer Company to generate a loss for the year is humiliating alone. And when you exceed that loss by more than five or six times, it's like, honestly, your stock should probably be delisted. We should fire the entire company. They missed sales by 5.3% at the same time. Truly hard seltzers are really bringing down the team. And I completely understand if anybody's ever tasted one of those things, you can see why absolutely nobody wants to buy them. Twee sales, which is also embarrassing. I'm pretty sure Tweet was specifically designed and marketed to be drunk under age. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anybody after high school drinking Twees. And I certainly hope none of you apes are out here drinking Twee. But anyway, non-alcoholic drinks did pick up the slack. That's something we love to see on the other hand. I mean, maybe people can stop being degenerates. Maybe we don't need to drink more alcohol, but just drink more Boston Beer Company. Because, guys, they absolutely need it. This is the maker of things like Sam Adams and all those other delicious flavors that I'm sure you guys all love. Uh, but definitely go ahead out there, drink more beer. The economy needs you. All right, moving on down into Bumble. All right, and speaking of you guys and your impact on the economy here, listen, you guys just have way too much riz. You're too charismatic. You're way too loved. It's actually starting to hurt Bumbles and their shareholders. So Bumble came out and they reported their fourth quarter earnings. It was absolute garbage. Surprise quarterly loss. They missed on sales. They announced a new round of layoffs and a huge chunk of their employee base is going to be laid off. So 350 jobs is about 950 jobs total at Bumble. It's like 36% of their workforce. So more than one third of Bumble employees are getting axed. That's because you guys must just be finding love so easily that you're deleting the app almost immediately after downloading it. I mean, that's the only logical explanation that I could possibly think of. So good to new apes out there. Keep the riz up. All right, let's go ahead and move on down into our final story of the day. What the fuck is going on with Bitcoin prices? Before we dive into the story, let's go ahead over into everybody's favorite website, which is CoinGecko. This is the first time I've seen this chart actually read since probably 2022. But if we go ahead and look at the seven-day view of Bitcoin prices, absolutely ripping. I mean... This is kind of ridiculous and it doesn't really have a whole lot of explanation or explicit explanation behind it outside of the Bitcoin ETFs that have recently been launched. So if we go back over to uh, the table here, we have that price chart once again from when I was writing this yesterday. But if we go back down and take a look, we can see that earlier this week on February 26th, the spot Bitcoin ETFs, the nine new ones, did break all-time trading records for uh, total volume. This is exclusive of GBTC and outflows from that because Obviously, it should be. That thing is a complete outlier and it's been around for a while. Can't really be considered in the same league as these nine new ones. So this is net of outflows from GPTC, but we did see that break new records. Essentially, what's happening here is kind of a virtuous cycle from what I could tell. So basically, Bitcoin price starts to take off higher. 
these companies that offer these spot Bitcoin price ETFs have to actually acquire new Bitcoin, uh, which then sets the price up even higher, which then makes more investors interested in Bitcoin wanting to buy those ETFs, which means they need to buy new coins and the cycle continues like that. That is kind of the virtuous cycle that we're seeing right now. And it's exemplified no better than in this chart right here. So this was brought on by some fucking data source on X. Uh, but essentially what this is saying is that a total of 10,050 Bitcoins were purchased on the date. Again, this is February 26th, whereas only 900 were mined. So the purchases, obviously that's representative of demand, whereas the miners are representative of the supply side of things. So when we see demand outpacing supply by more than 10x, obviously you're going to see a strong uptick in price action. That's exactly what we saw yesterday. And quite honestly, there isn't a whole lot of reason for that to let up, at least going forward, unless Bitcoin, for whatever reason, stopped receiving attention from investors. But as we've learned since 2020, there's pretty much nothing people love to do more than to love or hate on Bitcoin. So it's probably not going anywhere in terms of overall attention. Now, we did get to Nash earlier on the conversation saying Bitcoin $100,000. You know what? It's honestly not unreasonable for that to be an expectation going forward. I don't know what the time frame would be on that. But if these ETFs do continue their popularity, I think they're up to about five or something billion dollars in total AUM. Again, talking about the new ones only, not GBTC. They had like 30 something billion in AUM uh, back when they were under that trust structure. Obviously, a ton of dollars flew out of that fund because, you know, there was a lot of arbitrage opportunities from the premium that was offered in GBTC moving into the lower cost uh, kind of newer spot ETFs that were actually launched. But so if you expect these things to continue to grow, then you absolutely can have a view like Dinesh did and saying Bitcoin for 100,000. I don't know what your views are on there, but that is really going to be the tipping point. It's kind of a, an attention market at this point. And it's something weird because it's very non-traditional compared to every other financial asset for the rest of human history. But it is weird in that virtuous cycle scenario. So Definitely something to keep track of. We don't have any price targets, but if you put a gun to my head, I would say the direction is more likely to be higher. Let's just say I would certainly, certainly would sooner expect Bitcoin to reach 100,000 and then to reach 10,000. Hope that satisfies your request there, Dinesh. All right, now the big question is when, if at all, will Bitcoin set a new record high? You know, like we said earlier in the piece, Bitcoin reached its record high on November 10th, 2021 at just below that magical level of $69,000. We all know how important memeing is in this industry. The record is 68.99 thousand, just below that magical $69,000 mark. It's been 841 days now since we reached that point. Maybe it only needs 842 to reach a new all-time high, especially after the volatility we've seen recently. But pay attention to those ETF inflows because that is probably going to be a huge deciding factor in the both the price action and the volume action of Bitcoin going forward. All right, other questions we got. Do you hold Bitcoin? If so, how do you hold it? Do you only have exposure through these ETFs? Do you hold the actual coins themselves? Do you have a Coinbase account? Tell us about it. What are you guys doing to invest in crypto? Which other digital assets do you own? Or which ones did you own that have gone to zero since you actually started owning them? We would love to hear all that stuff. Hearing about the losing trades is always a lot more fun than hearing about the winning ones, at least in my opinion. All right, now we'll finish up with a wise investor says, one of the wisest investors around, Mr. Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of Bitcoin, who then disappeared off the face of the earth uh, a couple of years after dropping the Bitcoin white paper. And he said it might make sense to get, uh, it might make sense just to get some in case it catches on. You know, if this was investment advice that he gave to you in 2008, 2009, this guy deserves a fucking Nobel Peace Prize because he probably helped out a ton of people if they actually followed that advice. That pretty much does it for us today, guys. Thanks for joining on the live stream once again. Make sure to leave us a rating within the day you appeal, but most importantly, 
Make sure to go on the YouTube channel, the Spotify or whatever other podcast production platform you use. Give us a like, leave us a comment, tell other people to listen so that I can keep my job and stop crying myself to sleep every night. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining once again. Always a ton of fun on here. Hope everybody's having a beautiful leap day. Keep in mind, we won't have another February 29th for another four years. So do something to make it memorable. You know, call an ex, embarrass yourself in front of other people. Just make sure there's a funny story afterwards. All right. Thanks again for joining us, everybody. Happy investing. Happy trading. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time. Thank you.